are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. All right, it's the Storm Tracker Podcast. I'm Marcus Benjamin, and today we are joined with Southeastern analyst from Rivals.com, John Garcia. Thanks for joining the show today, John. Yeah, absolutely, Marcus. Had to jump on here with you. There's a there's a lot going on, so happy to help out. Absolutely, and of course, we're both representing for Rivals.com this uh, podcast. Make sure you subscribe to to it, and also hit that like button as well. And don't forget to share. This is uh, for uh, CanesCounty.com, and John. It's been a busy, busy summer, man. It's been a busy summer per usual here in the recruiting world. You've been a bunch of places. You've been out to OT7, the Future 50, and various places uh, across the state and the southeast. And there's there's just a lot of talent in this area. And I would argue the best talent in the country is in Georgia, Florida, and Alabama. But from what you've seen this summer, John, what players have kind of stood out to you that could make a power five or even a group of five roster? Yeah, wow. Uh, it's been busy, as you said, Marcus. So to try to narrow that list down is is kind of a lot in, in the old the old brain of mine. But Look, you got to start right at the top, and and I think that's what makes that region you just talked about, Georgia, Florida, Alabama, what makes our region, I guess, undisputed in, in that it's the best is that the kids within this footprint go out and prove it like, like all the time. Like you never really have to worry about will, will Jeremiah Smith compete? You know, like will will these five stars go out and show that they are? The answer nine times out of 10 down here is going to be yes. So I think that's really where my brain gravitates towards when you ask that question is the big boys went out and showed out everywhere they went this offseason. Whether you look at a Jeremiah Smith, I mean, I think at this point, I'm not sure how anyone could have him anywhere lower than the number one receiver in the country. Um, Every time we get an opportunity to see him, he flashes, and that was after a dominant uh, track and field run where he won multiple state titles for Chaminade over the last few months. Just shifted back to football, and, and it was like nothing ever happened. I mean, one-handed catches, big physical dominant, all of those things that you look for in a true uh, wide receiver one type prospect. So I thought he has lived up to it. You, you go to IMG Academy, and your your David Stones. Your Ellis Robinsons again. These guys with the most stars, the most offers, the most um, eyeballs on them. They compete. They go out and compete uh, at every turn. You know, I know uh, David Stone just like destroyed the rivals camp down here, and he's really been on a rampage ever since. A top ten player in the country now on Rivals.com. A guy who's high on Miami uh, among a few other programs. Uh, ditto for Ellis Robinson again. Um, you wonder, hey, you've got the number one cornerback label uh, next to your name. Will you go out there and theoretically put it on the line? Ellis has done it at every turn. Of course, another IMG Academy guy, cornerback. We saw him at OT7 working against everybody, including Jeremiah Smith, and and nobody 
had the success against Jeremiah that that Ellis did. So I think he validated a lot uh, of his number one cornerback credentials, and it's why Miami and Alabama continue to push that Georgia verbal commitment and, and try to push uh, for a flip there. So, yeah, my brain starts, Marcus, with just these elite guys not hiding and coming out and competing, whether it's seven-on-seven, seven, whether it's a camp, whether it's w- a workout, just spring football, whatever it is, the, the best in the South prove it basically whenever you need them to. Uh, and I think that is another theme of this class of, of 2024. And then, of course, as, as we look at some younger guys, these were more first impressions that we were getting uh, on the trail in the class of 25, even 2026. Um, so I do think that there's a, another group of prospects we could talk about in, in that direction that really turned heads or maintained our attention with, with an in-person impression. So it's uh, it's a beautiful time to sort of update those evaluations or in some cases get a strong first impression along the way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the South doesn't, doesn't um fray when when it comes to competition that's for sure it's it's definitely a a highly competitive region and it's going to be competitive in recruiting as well and you you mentioned ellis robinson who is is a player that miami is still actively pursuing uh themselves and he played great out there at OT7 wasn't out there but I saw highlights I saw a video from from OT7 and when you can lock up a five-star guy who you and I consider the best player in the entire country um as far as skills positions are concerned it's pretty impressive and you can see why Miami is continuing to push for a guy like Ellis Robinson who might end up being a five-star um you know when it's all said yeah. and done yeah, so he's he's definitely. Yeah, look, I don't know. I was gonna say I don't okay. know the numbers right now for the five stars, but yeah, once they do expand, he'll absolutely be in that territory. Like, if you're the number one corner, you should be, you know, a five star at the end of the day. So I think if he holds on to that title, the other one will sort of come by default uh, once the rankings expand a little bit. Yeah, absolutely, and and one of those five star guys who did end up competing. At a Miami camp, which was a big surprise, was Cheshire Trader. Uh, this is, you know, the five star out of Chaminade, Madonna. No one really thought he was going to compete at that Miami camp. It was the same camp that his former youth football teammate, Ryan Mack, decided to compete in. They actually came to the camp together with their former head coach and former Miami Hurricane, Rod Mack. And he came out there and competed. Um, and it really is along the lines of what you were saying earlier, where these guys really just come out and compete. Miami is, I would say, the favorite right now to land Josiah Trader. And what I've also learned is that these Chaminade guys will likely commit before the season starts. So that's talking about, you know, Josiah Trader and Saquon Patterson. So they're going to come off the board pretty soon within the next couple of months. So of those two and any other players that that Miami are looking into in the southeast, what are their chances, you think, of landing those big fish? 
Well, look, if if they're going to pop sooner rather than later, that's great news for Miami. And I think that's where a lot of the speculation with any top player, it's all about the timeline. Um, so if there is clarity on, hey, we know Zaquan Patterson is going to come off the board before that first game, right? If you feel like that is true, which I, I do uh, in the sense of Patterson feel like it's true, that's great news for Miami because a lot of the ebbs and flows with other programs feeling good or not so good have to do with Miami. Um, you know, when's the last time he got on campus for trader? It's like, can they, can they keep him home? A lot of schools have been in and out on that because they've thought this timeline was not so short. They thought, Hey, we've got time to sort of weave in and out with a, a Josiah trader with Patterson. There's a little bit more urgency. So, uh, I do think if if the plan is for all of them to come off the board sooner rather than later, I think Miami's chances increase for all these guys. I do think they're in great shape for Patterson regardless. Um, but if he comes off the board sooner, you feel even better about Miami keeping this five-star home. Trader, you know, he, he's always been a wild card to me, Marcus. Um, you talk to him one day and he's ready to commit. And, and you're like, okay, it's Miami, maybe Florida State as the dark horse and, and, and let's see where this thing goes. And then the next time you talk to him, he's like, well, I want to go see Oregon or maybe a Penn state or <laughs> places I've never yeah. been before. And you feel like yeah. there's a long time to go between now and a verbal commitment. So again, if this thing was to accelerate and, and, and Jojo wakes up one day and says, you know what? Like I'm, I'm tired of all this. I think that's great news for Miami because Miami has thrust itself into the thick of this thing, especially with, with Kevin Beard on board. Um, you know, I know Jojo, that was the first time he got to actually work with him at that camp. And he liked a lot of those elements of what KB was teaching, because I think Jojo knows, and most of, most of us in the industry know compared to Jeremiah, compared to these other elite receivers, he maybe has the longest way to go from a technical standpoint to get there. So him getting to work with potentially his future position coach and, and the opportunity to dig into some of those intricacies of coming off the line and what to do at the top of the route and et cetera. I think that matters a lot for a guy like, like Jojo trader. He's aware that he's not this, this finished polished product. So I think that Miami camp was a big surprise in a lot of ways pro Miami with with Trader. Um, but yeah, he, he's kind of all over the place when you talk to him. No official visits uh, you know, at his disposal just yet. I don't think he even set up one. So he's sort of the unconventional recruit in terms of timeline and execution right now. But there's no doubt that despite that, Miami's absolutely either in the driver's seat or very close to it with Trader. Again, I think Florida State is right there. I think some of the Ohio State stuff was probably overblown early in, in how we tracked JoJo. Um, so I really feel like it's it's Miami and Florida State, and then the conversation shifts towards a couple other programs. Yeah, I, I think he's a wild card um, because he seems to enjoy the process, enjoy the recruiting process as far as visits are concerned. And just kind of going to game day visits as well. He enjoys that process. But as far as like maybe chatting with you and I or <laughs> getting an update, 
Um, I, I think that's that's something he probably would rather not do. <laughs> um, I, so his process has been an interesting one. I do think he ends up with Miami when it's all said and done. I think that relationship, just like how you alluded to with Kevin Beard, will continue to grow. Kevin Beard has a great way of connecting with people. And he certainly connected with Trader at that camp and, and before as well. And I just think that connection with Kevin Beard is, is really going to pay dividends for Miami and other players as well. Uh, another wide receiver in the Southeast here that Miami is very high on, but is currently committed to Florida State, is Luane McCoy. Now, McCoy also uh, played with Trader and Smith and O.J. Frederick and Ryan Mack for that youth football program, the Miami Gardens Ravens. So there's, of course, some interest there. But as far as flipping from Florida State to Miami, I'm trying to figure out if it's actually going to happen or not. Uh, originally, uh, McCoy wanted an offer from Miami, and they were a little slow on that. And Florida State jumped all over it, and he thus committed to the Seminoles. But what are the chances that you think McCoy flips uh, to Miami, and then another play I wanted to ask about Flip Watch as well in in the Southeast region is Jalen Hayward. Jalen Hayward out of Rockledge, top tier defensive back, currently committed to Georgia as well, just like Ellis Robinson. What are the chances Miami have to flip? Can flip uh, those two blue chip prospects? Yeah, McCoy is a guy who. I think everybody is sort of stock up on over the last six months. You saw him as a two-way guy at Central. And I think this offseason, he's really cemented himself as, you know, going from intriguing prospect, figuring out where he's going to play to, oh, no, this is a no-doubter, blue chipper at either spot, but most conventionally at wide receiver, um, which is where obviously Miami has a huge need in this class of, of 24. <clears throat> Look, I, I think – Two, three weeks ago, I would have said McCoy is going to entertain Miami all the way through, but the flip would be tough uh, because we just hadn't seen a lot of visit traction from him. But right yeah. after the camp we were at together where, where Trader works out and all of that, seven-on-seven seven camp rolls around, and here's Luane McCoy on campus at the U getting extra time with Kevin Beard, who we just talked about, um, and he's he's running it up in the seven on, I mean, he's, he's reminding everybody there why he was maybe the steal of South Florida for, for a school to come in and pull out a great player. So I think he reemphasized a lot of great points on Miami's campus. And obviously Miami now with stability on the offensive staff, you know, OC on, on Shannon Dawson on down through the positional coaches that, that crack in the door that Florida State took advantage of is is no longer there. Um, and I think now McCoy has experienced, okay, yeah, this thing is more structured at Miami. Obviously, we talk about Beard a lot. His reputation precedes him. We know he's on McCoy very consistently as well. And now there's talk of an official visit. You know, So, so a couple of weeks ago, 
Not a lot of talk about visits at all with McCoy. Pretty solid to, to Florida State, looking like a pretty uphill climb for Miami, but gets on campus, a little bit of extended time with the staff, um, and, and now there's talk of an official visit. So I, I think at a minimum, Miami is the top threat to Florida State for McCoy. But at a maximum, this thing could be inching closer to coin flip territory to where Florida State fans really have to keep an eye on this thing because uh, it could change in relatively short order. Now, talking to McCoy and just kind of being around him, he's a little bit more reserved. I don't think he's going to do something on a whim. So if you're Miami, you need to stack some visits together. Geographically, it's on your side, right? This is a kid who's in the heart of Miami. Easy for him to get down to the Gables whenever he wants to. And now that he's gotten that first visit under his belt, you got to keep pushing in that direction. And it becomes more of a 50-50 battle because there's no doubt that Miami will have something to say in the McCoy recruitment before all is said and done. Like, Like you said, Miami left the door open, FSU, excuse me, took advantage of it, and Miami's aware of that. So Miami's not going to play slow the rest of the way here for McCoy. So that will be, if he sticks with FSU, they will have earned uh, that victory for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think every victory here in recruiting here in the Southeast is definitely earned especially with the top teams that are just in the region you got florida alabama georgia and ucf is starting to come up as well um and you know they're tired of not being included in in the big three um i i saw that on, on twitter from from gus malzahn um but that they they are making noise as well uh getting players like stacy gage which was kind of surprising uh, for them to get a top tier running back of his caliber, um, but this this uh, July we're going to continue to see commits. It's it's the commit month basically, uh, as far as uh, the recruiting season ebbs, ebbs and flows go. So in the next couple of weeks, we'll we'll see some more players come off the board. As a matter of fact, today. We'll see a player come off the board in Derek Plas. Uh, this is a top-tier offensive lineman out of the Jacksonville area. Always produces top-level talent at all positions. And it's down to two schools for Plas. It's down to NC State and Miami. And our guy, Frank Tucker, already put in a forecast for Derek Plas to commit to Miami. And it would just be the second offensive lineman added to the class. A little different from last year. I feel like last year was more of a focus on the offensive line where Francis Malagoa, the five-star, was already committed to the class by this time last year. They do have a Juan Manaya committed uh, to the class who is an impressive uh, young talent. But Derek Plaz uh, is just a you know another talent that that could add to the trenches that Mario Cristobal and Alex Mirabal, the offensive line coach, wants to build down in Coral Gables. Uh, your opinion on the addition of Plaz should he indeed commit to Miami? 
Yeah, I, I would like this get a lot. I think um, the former Penn State commit, of course. Derek is – he's a swing man. I mean, he's a guy who could play both tackle spots in a pinch, but I think he's got some guard upside as well. And I think when you look back at last year, which is a great setup by you, Miami brought in everything in that offensive line hall in, in 2023. So now – in 24, you could supplement that by taking some chances. But when you want to take chances, you want to do it with athletes. You mentioned Manaya, just massive 6'6", 330. We'll see what he is down the line. But now you get somebody who's kind of the opposite in Plaz, who is 295, lengthy, swift, uh, a kid who's more polished uh, from a technical standpoint, whether it's tackle or guard. And that approach from Miami is something that he likes. He likes the we'll figure it out when we get there part of it from Miami because there's a trust there that he has with obviously the coaches. You mentioned Mirabal, Mario Cristobal. These are O-line guys. So there's a sense that just like they want to take chances on great athletes, great athletes are willing to take chances on them because they know the positions are are at a premium and their priority at Miami, especially. So I think that says a lot about the ability for the Canes to go anywhere and compete for offensive linemen. Uh, Cause look at one point, this was probably a Florida state lean. And then he yeah. took the visit to Penn state and committed <clears throat> out of nowhere. Total surprise. I think he had five OVs set up took the Penn State visit, committed, and everybody was like, well, what's going to happen now? Uh, of course, he continued to take visits, and, and now he's back on the market. So FSU was was probably the favorite going into all of that. Then he commits to Penn State, and then NC State, which is now the, the final sort of layer of competition for Miami, has done a really good job with him. Three visits this year, um, they've really built – a package for him uh, that he's bought into. So this is no layup for Miami. So I, I think staying in the race was big for Miami here because it's it's gone a bunch of different directions already, but potentially closing after that June official visit, despite all that noise, I, I thought said a lot about the Canes' approach to Plaz, and I get the sense that he's going to reward that approach with a verbal commitment uh, around lunchtime on Friday. So that'd be a big deal for the Canes. Uh, another in-state get, uh, a versatile offensive line prospect. Again, following that class, you need guys who can move around, glue guys, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and and head-to-head win over ACC schools. I mean, I, I think we get lost in the big picture of a lot of this stuff, but if you shrink it and go a little closer to home, you know, Miami's got an uphill battle within its own conference. So to yeah. win – a true ACC battle, I think, is still a pretty big deal. Although, if you zoom out, it's like, well, we want to compete with Georgia and, and all these other schools and Alabama. That's great, but you got to win these ACC battles too. And I think Plows would be a good example of that. Yeah, that you bring up a very good point. Miami currently is sitting behind, far behind, actually, uh, Clemson and Florida State right now when it comes to team, the team rankings. But still, a lot of time left in this cycle uh these are the critical months here these these last few months these uh the the senior season of a lot of these prospects here in 2024 and a lot of these prospects will be visiting for game days which a lot of the times does turn the tide 
um, in, you know, uh, a school's way. And for the rest of the month, there are a couple other players that Miami will be in contention for. Uh, Devon Mitchell, uh, outstanding tight end, uh, is announcing tomorrow, uh, Saturday, and Miami's hat is definitely going to be on the table, but um, I, I think uh, this is going to go in a different direction. Um, that, that's my guess here, uh, but it's still it's still a possibility, of course, for the Hurricanes. You never, never know uh, with them, especially with them being tight end you. Uh, I, I believe that they are when you look at NFL draft picks are concerned in the past 30 years. So that that's a that's a commitment to watch. And then another tight end to watch is, is Caleb Odom. Uh, the outstanding talent talent out of Georgia is going to commit uh, July 15th. So uh, about a week from today. Your thoughts on Miami possibly landing those two or the direction that they could uh, uh, possibly commit? Yeah, I think the timing is critical here with, with both of these guys. Mitchell, 2025 kid, there's some buzz about maybe him changing that part of it up um, down the line. But either way, Miami's done a really nice job in this recruitment. He's a kid who's moved around. He was in, in Texas. Now he's out in California. Uh, and his recruitment has kind of bounced around a little bit too. But Miami is one of these programs that has just stuck with it, uh, with Mitchell. Uh, and that's something that he continues to uh, reciprocate with the Canes. Um, I think <clears throat> Oklahoma's the favorite here, and they've been for a while. But a couple days ago, he said he still was undecided. And I think that is great news for Miami and Alabama. And, and, and they're probably the top three there for Mitchell. Now, whether it's gamesmanship or true, um, you, you just like the fact that it's not quite over. And it's not like, yeah, I've known my decision forever, and I'm just waiting till a certain date to go public with it. You know, it tells you that. The undecisiveness tells you that Miami's still talking to him and still pushing. Ditto for Alabama. Ditto for others, I'm sure, in, in this recruitment. But Oklahoma's been the perceived favorite for some time with Mitchell. So we'll see if if Brent Venables and company can close the deal there. And then with Odom, total opposite. Uh, this is a kid who I think, depending on when you talk to him, you, you would have thought, Miami has led for some time. I think Ole Miss was confident for some time. And then I guess what, mid-June takes the official to Bama. And then from that point on, it feels like Alabama has been the perceived leader. So I know Caleb is one of those type of – he's one of those type of prospects where he's going to be positive and he's going to make you feel good about your chances as a coaching staff. Um, so I think that – plays into some of that confidence shifting all over the place over the yeah. last few months. Um, but look, the Miami angle has intrigued him and Miami's perspective, you know, they've, they've pushed for Caleb as long as anyone, you know, when, when, when KJ Duff committed to Rutgers a couple of weeks ago, there was not a Miami hat on the table. There was kind of this sense of, well, Miami prioritized Odom over Duff so if that is the case, then Miami has recruited them as such. So I do think 
with Miami, it's unique in that maybe this is their number one tight end on the board. I don't know if that's true with the other schools in contention for Odom. I know Bama's missed on a couple of tight ends. I know Ole Miss. I think Ole Miss is actually recruiting him at receiver, so that's a whole different conversation. And I know I know Caleb likes that. Every big tight end wants to be considered a receiver. Um, so you understand that. Um, but I do think this thing comes down to to Miami and Alabama, and and I think the Bama trend has been a good one, and it has been notable. Um, so we'll see if they can hold off Miami uh, with with that buzz that that they've created. So I, I think much better chances for Miami with Odom compared to Mitchell, especially with you know Mitchell coming off the board so soon. With Odom, you, you also ask that question: has has he made an internal decision, or is there still room? for some some fluidity there. If there is, probably good news for Miami with uh, about a week to go there. Yeah, uh, as far as Mitchell's concerned, uh, it's still early, you know? Like, he's 2025, and yeah, I've heard those rumors as well as far as him reclassing. So maybe it's not as, you know, as, as much time as we might think, but I still feel like there's a chance that Miami could flip Mitchell if he chooses Oklahoma or, or Bama. And uh, I think with with Odom, I think it, it might be a, a less of a chance for for some reason. From from what I am gathering, it seems like it's it's not going to be Miami. Um, but there's there's always a possibility uh, with this staff and the new tight ends coach Cody Wadeal. I've heard great things about him, and he's doing a great job at recruiting. But uh, if if I'm looking glass half empty here and Miami whiffs on these two uh, prospects, they do have Elijah Lofton already firmly in the class as, as a tight end. And they also passed, I guess you could say, on Kylan Fox, who uh, went to UCF. That's another one, yep. Yeah, uh, I... I am not sure what's the direction that they go at tight end from that point. K.J. Duff, another player that I think they could possibly uh, flip as well. K.J. Duff loves Miami. Uh, This is a kid who is pretty close to Miami because he played with uh, Miami Raw 7-on-7, who had an outstanding year, and a lot of that was because of him. He was their big target out there, um, made a highlight real catch out there at OT7 that went viral. This is a guy who wanted to work out at Miami for Legends Camp, but unfortunately he had a bum ankle and he didn't want to work out. And no one wants to see someone work out if they're not 100%. And I think Miami wasn't quite 100% on Duff and they wanted to, you know, uh, develop more of a relationship with him. Um, before he decided to ultimately, I guess, commit to Miami. So I still think there's a possibility there uh, for K.J. Duff. Um, He's an impressive young man. Um, I first had a chance to see him at Battle Miami, and he, he tore it up there, and he's been tearing it up ever since. So, I think that's a possibility where Miami goes um, at tight end down the line. But, you know, you know as well as anybody, John, that this is a fluid situation. Recruiting is. Things change all the time. Uh, Kids 
minds change all the time and schools actually change their minds on kids as well heck we heck we change our minds on kids <laughs> when it comes to evaluations and and just um what we think about them so of course these are all situations that we'll continue to monitor here at canescounty.com as well as rivals.com make sure you follow john um at his uh twitter handle there you see it on the screen john garcia underscore jr and make sure you follow uh canes county on all social media platforms most importantly subscribe subscribe to canescounty.com for free for the first 30 days you see that scrolling there on the bottom use promo code miami 30. john thank you for joining me on on here friday i was going to try to coin this as friday rivals or rivals friday you know maybe something like that if we can continue to do this of course you know friday nights are going to be a uh you know exciting nights and during the during yes. the football season almost so, here almost here yeah so we kind of would get to preview uh, the games and, you know, what we want to watch for and what we're excited for. And what I'm actually excited for is a seven on seven tournament happening this weekend down here in South Florida, two, two at Wells, uh, seven on seven tournament, uh, out will be out there and, um, you know, providing content on canescounty.com. But yeah, this could be, you know, the first of many, um, you know, rivals Fridays, um, coming up here on the Storm Tracker podcast. All right, but that's going to wrap it up for this podcast. Thanks again, John, and we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for having me.